And welcome to Canqueer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. And what a whirlwind of a week it has been. For um, you or for the world? For Canada. For, oh for my. Version therapy in Canada in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little later, we have a great interview lined up with the CEO of PodCamp. Uh, Toronto and the chair, sorry, the chair of Podcamp Toronto and the chair of the Canadian Podcasting Awards, uh, John Leginski, uh, will be joining us as we talk queer podcasts. Mm-hmm. So very exciting stuff coming up that way. Now, just before the election, um, 62 Conservative MPs voted against banning conversion therapy, mm-hmm. something which by the World Health Organization has been called torture um, mm-hmm. and is completely reviled, you know, most of the world over, uh, at least in the Western developed world. Uh, it is a practice that is, there's a growing consensus that it is far more damaging than than not. Yes, yes. Some interesting things happen. So first of all, I do not want to let the liberals off the hook no no this lord is no <laughs> the third time that the liberals have introduced this bill um, um bearing in mind that uh, the the second time they introduced it last uh, i think october-ish i forget when it was um it passed the house but it passed the house days before they called a snap election mm-hmm. where pretty much the identical parties were then elected back into office well, I mean, you say snap election, but they gave you as much time as the Spanish Inquisition. This is true. There was about the same amount of notice. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, everybody yeah. expects them because they give you two months notice. This is true. No <laughs> one is ever surprised by the Spanish Inquisition. The election happened, which basically cut off all half done projects at the knees. Yeah. The way I see it is imagine the parliamentary process is a nature sketch. Okay. And when an election is called, they take everything in Parliament and just shake it about like an extra search. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, it, yeah. it's all gone. If yeah. it wasn't hitting royal consent before yep. the minute it's uh, it's dissolved, then everything has been extra sketch erased out of existence. Yeah. Um, but it's worth noting that there was some pressure on the conservative senators at the, mm-hmm. just in the run up to the election um, with uh, with a lot of people saying, look, please, you know, push this through and prove it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the uh, the conservative senators refused to be rushed in the uh-huh. work. And uh-huh. on the one hand, I'm inclined to agree to them. Yeah. You know, this expedited timetable was a decision of the Liberal Party. It wasn't mm-hmm. a decision of the conservatives. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 62 conservative MPs voted against it to begin mm-hmm. with. And I would rather see them nail this. I'd rather see them take an extra week and make sure that everything is in order and everything is, you know, working as intended rather than just ramming it through as fast as possible and having accidental unintended consequences. Absolutely. And this is actually one of the reasons why I spent a lot of time trying to find the exact phrasing, because one of the criticisms that I've heard um, from socially progressive conservatives is that they're not against the law. They're just against the idea of accidentally banning other things. And the exact phrasing of this, there actually is a nice little 
uh, paragraph after all the definitions that say the proposed new offenses would not criminalize interventions that assist a person in exploring or developing their personal identity and a little bit more than that. But the basic idea of people were afraid of um, saying, if you're not sure, let's talk about it. That could be criminalized that that instead of just coming right out and saying, I agree with absolutely everything you say that that the a counselor or a therapist or a doctor has a responsibility of care, not even to just push back, but to, to question and be like, are you sure? And they didn't want to accidentally criminalize the question, are you sure? Hmm. And they've they've done a pretty good job of having little escape hatches in this this new uh, law that they're proposing to sort of get around that kind of thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that was one of the few conservative arguments that I was like, no, that's fair. We need to nail the phrasing. Well, I mean, I think this is actually a more sternly worded bill than the one that was passed just, uh, just you know, a few months ago. Oh, yeah. And the big difference between this version, Bill C4 for uh, the 44th Parliament, um, is that this no longer allows for adults to undergo conversion therapy. And I actually noticed it also has a thing there of um, removing a minor from Canada to undergo conversion therapy abroad. And that actually has been a factor that they've discovered was that uh, young people were being shipped overseas or even down to the States to get conversion therapy in places where it is legal. So the the Mm -hmm. removal of a young person, even if it's not banned in the place that they're going to, just the removal of a young person in order to do that, or a removal of anyone really. Um, But no, it just it specifically says a minor. The piece I want to read is, and I quote, for greater certainty, this definition does not include a practice, treatment, or service Mm. that relates to the exploration or development of an integrated personal identity. Mm such as a practice treatment or service that relates to a person's gender transition. And that is not based on the assumption that a particular sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression is preferred over one over another. Mm -hmm. So if you are, let's say, giving a practice of supporting somebody to reconcile their faith and homosexuality, Mm-hmm. As long as you're not saying that should be heterosexual, yes, it's fine. Yes, you know, and and I think that that's really the goal here: forcing someone to be straight, yeah. forcing yeah. someone to be cisgendered, and forcing someone's gender expression to match their assigned sex at birth um, is no longer allowed, or yeah. will be once the Senate approves it. And on a similar note. Uh, there's nothing in here about denial of service. If you say, I don't know if I'm comfortable talking about this in a neutral manner, that's not criminalized either. So if you are like a Catholic priest who's not comfortable being the person to talk about how to reconcile your Catholic identity and your sexual orientation in a manner that is beneficial to both sides of that identity, if you're like, I'm not the one to do that, uh, you don't get punished by saying like, I am not an appropriate fit for this conversation. Yeah. And that's another thing that some people were worried about, that people might get like criminalized for saying I'm poorly suited for this. And I would rather have somebody say I am poorly suited to this than have them give bad therapy or bad counseling in the case of like, you know, a priest or something. Well, anyone who knowingly causes another person to undergo convert- conversion therapy and actually 
providing conversion therapy mm-hmm. uh, is guilty of an indictable offense up to yep. a term of no less than five years um, yep. or uh, an offense punishable on summary conviction. So, I mean, these are very serious mm-hmm. consequences uh, as a result. Now, Daily Extra, we haven't been keeping too close an eye on them there. You know, I thought I was the go-to queer pessimist, but it turns <laughs> out that uh, the Daily Extra has uh, enough uh, enough grains of salt for this particular uh, conversation to, to last anybody. I want to start off by saying that I was amazed that this legislation passed the House of uh, Commons by unanimous consent. Mm which means that every one of those MPs agreed to very quickly expedite it over to the Senate. Yeah, and this is something that uh, Aaron O'Toole, he promised, like whether he becomes the leader or not, that he would whip his party into... He offered a vote of conscience, which means that uh, it was a free vote, which means that uh, conservative MPs could have voted against it Mm. should they have wanted it's the same vote he did the last time round, yep. where 62 conservative MPs opposed banning right. conversion therapy. He did state, though, that he would try to end institutionalized homophobia within the conservative party, that, that like homophobic and transphobic and to a certain degree misogynistic uh, policies are not the default go to anymore. That well, he's it's, trying to... it's a struggling balance. The bit I'm trying to get to here is conservative MP. Rob Moore, who is the justice critic, surprised everybody by proposing the expedited motion for this bill um, and sending it straight to the Senate. They've, Aaron O'Toole and others have gone on to say, this was just, we're just trying to fast track all of the stuff that was already approved and Mm -hmm. waiting at Senate, just so that Senate can get moving. We're just moving quickly. This Mm -hmm. is just business as usual. Mm-hmm. Now, the folks over at Daily Extra are clearly not as convinced, and honestly, neither am I, uh-huh. because by doing an expedited motion, it's not a roll call vote. So those 62 conservative MPs who voted against banning a form of torture mm. um, no longer have to go on record again voting against banning a form of torture. Got it. So there is a theory out there, a bit of a cynical one, that this expedited vote was uh, to avoid the further blowback against those 62 conservative MPs. Whether or not this was just a clever parliamentary move by the conservatives for them to save face, Mm -hmm. maybe. But the outcome of it, you know, the, the tangible action that followed was a unanimous approval by the House of Commons for an even stronger worded bill Mm -hmm. to go to the Senate. Um, So from LGBT rights perspective, this is a fantastic achievement. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Even even my cold heart looks at it and uh, approves of the phrasing. So I have no idea where you're going with this, but I know where we are going. People and are that is stuff. to listen to Where is the Love by Dana Lee. And we will be back just after this.
Wellesley Met up with church If these streets could talk Queer home of Canada's queer media. My name is Stilluk Smith. And I am Sebastian. And we are very excited to be joined uh, by one of the incredible talents, the chair of PodCamp Toronto and the chair of the Canadian Podcasting Awards, among many other things, the incredible John Leginski. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Now, today we're going to be talking about all things podcast. Um, I just had a look at my um, Spotify wrapped, uh, which I think was done. You you are a graphic designer, and there were some slides in that where I was concerned about the health of the graphic designer on the team that <laughs> designed <laughs> the wrap. I mean, it's a concern. Uh, but with that being said... One of the things that jumped out at me was just the sheer tens of thousands of minutes that I have given to podcasts over the past year. 
Um, I think I need to write a check to the Wall Street Journal because apparently that I've listened to the bajigas out of their particular podcast. Um, have you seen podcasts really rising over the past year? You know, with are people pandemic podcasting? Yeah, so uh, we have seen podcasts at the beginning of the pandemic sort of, you know, stumble a little bit. But since then, we've seen them grow, you know, leaps and bounds. Everyone's at home. They have time to, you know, pursue hobbies and interests. And those inevitably lead into podcasting. Excellent. Now, for me, I think it's always interesting to be able to find stories um, and shows by other Canadian creators, and particularly LGBT creators. Um, I know Queer FM is a is a favorite of ours. And I think uh the Rainbow Country Rainbow, I think is is another one in out of Toronto. Um I think Queer FM is out of CITR in Vancouver. Um but I'm wondering, are there any LGBT ish themed podcasts that you have your ear to? Um, besides maybe those those ones. Yeah, so at the at the Canadian Podcast Awards, we do allow people to tag their podcasts when they submit them with you know things identifying themselves as LGBT, LGBTQ, uh, and you know we have quite a few of them in the directory. Uh, you know, one that sticks out to me is um, Andrew Gerz's podcast um, about disability and sex. Uh, we also have uh, You Made Me Queer. Uh, Pink Milk, a Star Wars podcast with the LGBT uh, focus. Um, we also saw Behold Diana uh, added to the network this year by uh, Borderline Pride, uh, which is a podcast that uh, talks about trans issues. Uh, so yeah, there, there's a lot of podcasts. You know, there's also the uh, Drag Race podcasts that uh, everyone in the zeitgeist is listening to. So we have. Um, uh, Squirrel Talk from the Sonar Network, that's also really popular. Uh, and, you know, Trixie and Katya's uh, podcast mm. as well. <laughs> Absolutely. I think if you want that sort of queer culture in terms of drag and, um, well, if you want if you want a drag podcast, they are a dime a dozen. You throw a wig into any kind of audio field and you're going to hit a drag podcast. I think it's uh, for sure guaranteed that. <laughs> Yeah. It seems to me like from my browsing of the internet in general, not even just within the sort of LGBTQ spaces, but in general, it seems that a very large chunk of podcasts are sort of conversation oriented of like, um, they're not always necessarily even guest oriented. It'll just be like a regular podcast of two people in conversation, uh, sometimes about their lives, sometimes it's just about their perspectives on things. There really does seem to be a lot of the sort of growth in interpersonal podcasting where people sort of just share their stories about things. And sometimes they read the news, sometimes they don't, sometimes they talk about stuff in pop culture. Uh, maybe they'll talk about their relationship with, I don't know, video games or something. There, there really does seem to be a lot of this sort of um, intimate conversation style of podcasts. It's really been exploding over the past couple of years. Cause like when I started listening to podcasts at first, maybe about five years ago, a lot of it was like um, science, history, geography, like, like I don't want to say academic subjects, but basically academic subjects, but for like the common person, like that, 
that was sort of the bread and butter of, of podcasting for a while there. So have, have you seen like any shifting or, or trends in the past few years that, that kind of interest you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's like areas of podcasts through time that have sort of uh, moved and shifted. At the beginning, it was very conversation focused. It was podcasts that did interview, you know, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot of couple casts, people just talking to their friends. Uh, and then we saw, you know, the rise of podcasts in popular culture with shows like Serial or, you know, true crime shows that were more uh, journalistic focused, I guess I would say. And I think we are seeing a comeback to now, you know, the more personal podcasts, you know, personal stories connecting with people especially during the pandemic when uh you don't really have those people to talk to in person anymore uh maybe podcasts are a way for these people to find um an outlet for their stories where they can't you know go to a bar and just talk to people anymore it's interesting that you you mentioned that and also a bar um we have a listener who to this day it it breaks my heart that he thought I sounded like I was 50 and Sebastian, who is older than me, sounded younger. I am going to take that grudge to the grave. Is it Bradley? Um, Are you talking about no, Bradley? No, no, it wasn't Bradley. It was out in Vancouver. But he told his uh, his husband at the time, okay. <laughs> uh, one of the station managers that carries the show, that listening to our show is like overhearing two gay guys gossiping on the table next to you at a bar. You know, it's that sort of overheard conversation that, you you know, your ears pick up and you're like, oh, wait, well, and then that sort of, (laughs) not quite voyeurism, but voyeur adjacent is what I would call it. Eavesdropping. Yeah, yes, that is a word you're looking for is eavesdropping. Eavesdropping, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I prefer voyeur adjacent. I think that just, it's got the right vibe for what I was going for. It it has a, a a criminal vibe to it, a, a sex pervert <laughs> vibe. So I, I'd rather go with eavesdropping. All right. Well, um, my fans are going to be voyeurs adjacent. Yours can be eavesdroppers. Um, podcasting has been around for about a decade now, give or take, and it's really kind of matured in that time. Um, we're even seeing, for example, Amazon getting into the Canadian podcasting market, or at least mm. trying to, and it's becoming a bit of a competitive space. And it's also a space that is starting to be filled up with high value, big budget American podcasts that they're, they're, they're taking up a lot of the, the sort of screen when you're looking through Spotify or every, anywhere else where you may be trying to find podcasts. So how do you find podcasts that might not be, you know, WNYC Studios or a big budget or the Joe Rogans? You know, how do you find those more underground podcasts? Well, I would always suggest going to the uh, Canadian Podcast Awards to discover some new podcasts. You know, we have a lot of winners who aren't associated with you know, big networks like the CBC uh, and all the podcasts are Canadian, of course, except for our foreign category. Uh so, yeah, we really try and highlight, you know, the independent voices. You know, 15 years ago, anyone could start a podcast and it wasn't something that you could really make a living on unless you were already famous or you had a big following. And now it's more and more accessible to use this as a way to make money and build, you know, your income. So I think it's important to highlight the independent voices, you know, who want to see this as their full time job. Um 
And even those who don't see it like that, who see this as like an art form that they just want to, you know, put their creativity out into the world through podcasting. I mean, for us, we've been doing this about 10 years and it's always, I think at the very core, it's storytelling. Mm. You know, we are a current affairs program. You know, we, we talk about the news, for example, you know, the gay conversion therapy ban and so on and so forth. Um, but it's always framed within storytelling. How central do you think the ability to tell a story is in creating a good podcast? I think it's really important. You have to be able to uh, engage the listener, to be able to bring them along with you through the narrative you're telling them. Uh, if you aren't very good at storytelling or you know holding a conversation, it probably isn't going to be something that listeners stick with uh, because you know that is a crucial point in making a podcast is your personability, your ability to hold uh, someone's attention. Absolutely. One of my, uh, my favorite uh, podcasts, which I'm not going to name drop because it's not Canadian and that's what we're here for. Um, <laughs> it's a science podcast, but every episode they start with a fable or a myth or a fairy tale of some kind. And sometimes they have to scour the planet. So you hear about like, you know, myths from, rural Russia or something from Turkey or something from South America. And it kind of leads into, uh, it, and, and this is relative to what we know about uh, the effects of gravity between objects that are light years away. And it's kind of interesting, but the, the hosts, because they've shifted through hosts over time, are always amazing storytellers. And the, the fable fairy tale part at the start is always sort of expertly read out. And that is a large part of, what kind of attracts me to that the science is interesting but like their 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 storytelling and their interest in the subject is one of the biggest attractions because you can you can feel the interest of the podcaster if it's mm. a good podcaster yeah yeah, yeah for I sure think, i think that's also a, a key thing you know the people in the conversation have to be interested in the conversation uh, or... I mean, sometimes it's a struggle when Sebastian is rambling on. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I check out, but that's... Yeah, I, no, I will say sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you're into something and I'm not. And the fact that I blatantly don't care is part of the humor of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You uh... shut up a few times uh, on air. That's, that's true. Another grudge I'm going to take to the grave. Um... And that's part of like the voyeuristic quality of it as well. Like you're hearing two friends, yeah. one's rambling on the other does doesn't care <laughs> like that's a, that's a, a big part of the charm as well now i one of my hopes is that we can inspire people who have been umming and ahhing i mean really the, the lockdowns were everyone learned how to make rye bread or sourdough bread and uh, write an autobiography i think at the same time um <laughs> but maybe you know this winter break um People are going to be, you know, not working and and uh, thinking about what to do. So I want to I want to inspire folks to think about how to make a podcast. How would you suggest that someone starts framing how to make that happen? What What do you need? What What are some of those key things you would need to to make a good podcast? Uh, well, beyond the basics like having a microphone or something to record with. Uh, the advice we always give at PodCamp and the awards is just start. Just start recording something. Just, you know, put it to tape, listen to it. And really, that's the only way you're going to get better and find your voice is by 
going ahead and starting. If you're sitting there just thinking, oh, I can't do this until I have like this perfect outline or it's not set up perfectly, you're never going to start. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll be waiting for a producer to come and, and do it for you. Uh, so we always say just start, you know, put something out there, get feedback. And that's really how you become better and find, you know, the direction you want to actually take the podcast in. Yeah, I think the the tip I would give people is to share what they're passionate about. You know, find the thing that is your go-to story at a cocktail party or the the thing that uh, when you see your mom, it's the first thing you tell her. You know, something that jumps off the page as something that you are confident telling someone about. Tell us about that. Also something you can... It could be getting drunk. It could be whatever. Anything you can speak about comfortably for 20 to 800 episodes. <laughs> like, if yeah. you're worried that you might run out of something to say, it's probably not. Well, I mean, there is there is something to say for, for short series. There are some really good series I've heard that were designed to have exactly 12 episodes. Like, it can be done. Yeah. I mean, this is episode 216, I think, I for us. So just just with Canqueer. Like yeah, because we, we, we rebranded a couple been, times. Yeah. We're at like three or 400 now. We're like the old, uh, you know, the old man of the game, I think, at this I point. I think we're more like 500 or 600. I would Over the past 11 years, yeah. If that was the case. Yeah. Which is what about sad. format? So something that I've noticed, like I mentioned conversation earlier, kind of I was leading up to this, I will admit. Um, the, the formats of, uh, podcasts, they, they do tend to be conversational, but there are other formats. Like they, we do have an occasional guest on our show and we're an occasional guest on his show where he does a quiz show and he mm-hmm. does a quiz show podcast. And I've also the quiz uh, questions and cocktails. Yes. There was a, an explosion in fiction, uh, podcast some time ago, sort of like a, a callback to the old, uh, radio days of yeah, having Buck dramas. Rogers and soap operas and stuff like that. And, and that kind of came and went, but it never really went away. So, I mean, there are many different formats. And, and I would say that, you know, if you really want to stand out, I mean, definitely consider doing something different. You know, look at the landscape and say, you know, are there many quiz shows? Are there many dramas? Are there many, I don't know, uh, be creative, you know, that that would be an excellent way of jumping out. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's lots of conversation type shows, but like you said, quiz shows are a new thing. Uh, you know, interactive shows where you can interact with the audience are a, a big uh, format coming forward. Um, there's there's anything that you could probably think of doing, you can probably do it. So just get creative. Yeah. Or someone could. if, if... And yeah, actually, to, to come back to what you said earlier, like, Practice is just failing on purpose until you fail less. Mm. So it's, it's okay if you suck at first, a lot of, of big names, they are embarrassed about their first dozen or so episodes, but they make a living off it now. So who cares? Yeah. I think it's important to also not feel completely adrift um, with the idea of making the podcast. You know, you're not going to start from zero and have the next Joe Rogan podcast. Like that's, that's a, that's a path that's unlikely to fall in front of. He's an anomaly. Like technically he shouldn't exist. Podcasts. uh, Yeah. And for your adjacent listeners are not going to just land on that uh, same success story. Yeah. Um, 
but this is about storytelling. It's about man, you know, curating and creating sound that people want to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are about 180 not-for-profit or charity-run radio stations coast to coast to coast. There's a very good chance you're listening to this on a radio station that trains volunteers specifically in audio skills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're transferable skills. You know, you can make something sound good to whatever medium. Don't get me wrong. Podcasting has a more distinct, intimate sound compared mm-hmm. to broadcast. So there is there is that piece. Um, but I just want to assure our listeners that if this is something that is of interest, you don't need to hire an expensive podcasting consultant. There are free resources out there to train you and, and help you make make content um, in nearly every single town and city in the country. So it's it's always something available. Although to go back to Queer's Cocktails and and uh, Queer's Cocktails and Queer's Question, question qu- right, Queer's Quiz Show. Cocktails? I yeah, uh, Bradley like is drunk when he sets up the recording equipment, drunk when he does the show. That's part of it. The, I'm pretty the, sure he's drunk cocktails. when he edits. I and mean, he's I'm not drunk gonna... when he edits, so it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he's just one guy doing it all by himself. So if he can do that, I'm sure that whoever you are, dear listener, that that you are perfectly capable as well. Yeah, he's going to love the free promo for his <laughs> his uh, show we're giving him. Yeah, yeah, listen to it. He's drunk the whole time. My favorite um, episode is when the entire thing was themed around Alien, and no one had seen any of the Alien movies. <laughs> Somehow he found four people who had never seen it before. So that was an amazing episode. (laughs) Yeah. I've been a guest on that twice. The first time I did it sober. And I, it was, it was dreadful. The set, you you have to be. I'm not a heavy drinker and I know better. Like you show up with one tied on. (laughs) I feel like we're, we're way off topic. here. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. Anyways, to reel it back in, just to, to rebring the focus. Uh, listeners should go to the Canadian Podcast Awards to find amazing talent um, from Canadian creators, which is really what we want to push and emphasize. And yeah, give it a go. I think, John, you, you've nailed it. You, you start to make it happen by making something happen. What, uh, what closing words of advice would you give to our intrepid podcasters? Oh, advice. Uh If not to I podcasters, guess, then to consumers of podcasts. It's all good. Yeah, I guess my advice would be, you know, along the same lines of the things we've already said. Start, do something you're passionate about, and just see what happens. It, it's it's not a medium that, you know, you need to have a hit for it to continue. You can just keep doing this until it becomes a hit. You're not going to get cancelled. Well, you might, depending on what you're talking about, but... <laughs> Yeah, we're still hoping that we will someday become a hit, um, but uh, maybe not today. I want to thank you so much, John, for joining us. Don't forget to check out the PodCamp Toronto and the Canadian Podcasting Awards. I want to thank you so much again, and we will be back just after this. Woke up in the graveyard, picked up the gun and raised it against my head. Big are the bruises wounded around my chest I tasted my own blood, picked up my heart I gave it for you to rest And I thought I could do
If God Had a Boat by Anuma and uh, an incredible artist out of, I believe, Toronto. Um, now, and obviously a little earlier, we heard our conversation with John about podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw some fresh comments from your mum on Podbean. Oh, yes. Um, I also saw our uh, Spotify wrapped on our podcast. We did okay. uh, not too bad. Well, we're very proud of our um, our podcast followers, and and uh, yeah, and famously we collectively call them Sebastian's mum, if I yep. remember correctly. Yes, <laughs> um, I am calling our fans either Sebastian's mum or voyeur adjacent. That's, <laughs> that's uh, those are roughly where we're landing. 
All right, let's do a bit of a whip around of some other news. Uh, The World Organization Coordinating Global Black Pride have selected Toronto as the uh, the next uh, location for the third annual Black Pride event. Mm-hmm. It'll be taking place July 28th to 31st in 2022. Um, so yeah, the organization called Blackness Yes out of Toronto, as well as Pride Toronto, um, are helping to produce the event. Uh, very exciting thing. This is, uh, it's a bit of a, a bit like World Pride in that it meanders around the world. Okay. Sort of uh, celebrating queer black excellence and creating an opportunity to come together, celebrate, and have joy. Um, but yeah, so it'll be coming to Toronto for anyone who's interested in heading to that. I I believe that with the the Jesse Smollett case has hit the news. Oh yeah, um, it's ongoing. It's of mild interest. Uh, I'd rather save this conversation until we're further along in the case in January. So far, it looks like a comedy of errors. So, I mean, it's also very easy to find information on that. Excellent. Now, a little while ago, we mentioned about uh, Josh Cavallo, the um, now only openly gay soccer player Mm -hmm. (laughs) at at the professional level. Um, so he originally and uh, he told the Guardian in the UK in November that he has uh, concerns about moving, uh, going to Qatar for mm-hmm. the FIFA World Championship. And uh, just to read the quote here, I read something along the lines that they give the death penalty for gay people in Qatar. So it's something I'm very scared of and wouldn't really want to go to Qatar for that. Um, but don't worry. Don't the worry. man in charge of the uh, the tournament in Qatar has personally assured Josh Cavallo that uh, he's going to be fine. So the head of a, a sports league has given guarantees that his nation state is not going to enforce their legal system on him now granted yeah. uh laws apply to non-citizens differently than citizens usually but like uh, that's just such a roll of the dice as to whether or not it's going to play out as as intended i mean i just think it's it's ridiculous it's like they say don't worry about it this incredibly oppressive homophobic law yeah. won't apply to you because mm-hmm. you are a celebrity flying in for the tournament. Uh, you know what I mean? And it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. the rest of the country and any visitors traveling, God well, help them. A couple of years ago, they did uh, WWE's WrestleMania or SummerSlam or one of them. I can't remember. One of the big events of, of American pro wrestling in Qatar. And uh, the uh, there were a lot of female performers there. And they had to change their costumes a little bit. But broadly speaking, all of them said they didn't have any particular problems. So long as like within the, the domain of the stadium, they were allowed to get away with a lot more. Uh, but that's, I don't know, that that's, that, that's, that's a good hint that, Probably nothing's going to happen, but that's a that's a probably and not a definitely. And I can understand why he's nervous. So it, he's not the only one that's been calling out Middle Eastern homophobic laws. Mm. Lewis Hamilton, who is one of the world's most famous uh, drivers, okay. he is a uh, Formula One champion. 
um, and uh, just an incredible talent. He was in the news not too long ago for his bespoke helmet designed by Val- uh, Valentino Vicetti, which has the LGBT progress flag on the back okay. of it. But he recently did an interview about the Grand Prix heading over to Jeddah, in the city in South uh, Saudi Arabia. Okay. Now, what he says, and I, I'll read the quote here, we don't choose where we're going. Others have chosen for us to be here. Mm-hmm. So we have to apply the pressure on them to make sure that they are doing the right by the people in those places, sparking conversations, creating that uncomfortable discussion that is needed in these places. Mm-hmm. Do I feel comfortable here? I wouldn't say that I do, but it's not my choice to be here. The sport has taken the choice to be here. Mm. So he's essentially calling out the Formula One organizers yeah. for putting it in Jeddah. Uh, yeah, not yeah. only does it have incredibly violent uh, homophobic laws, but um, what Lewis Hamilton very appropriately points out is even though women were like women being able to drive was decriminalized in 2018 in Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. there are still droves of women in Saudi prisons for having driven yeah. um, prior to that. So, yeah, as the man's, as the world's most famous race car driver, and he's like, I'm driving around in a country that has women in jail for having drive, you know, having driven to the shops. Yeah. You know, it is, it is ridiculous. And I'm glad that he called them out on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Tom Daly has actually been all over the news over the past while for saying that the, the homophobic countries shouldn't have sporting events. Although I should clarify. They have the right to hold their own events. Uh, he wasn't very clear. I think he meant they shouldn't hold international or international sporting events shouldn't hold their events in homophobic countries. Yeah, he'd initially said that, uh, you know, the 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 thingy games, the Olympics, yeah. shouldn't allow the participation of of countries where not everyone can freely participate. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's a step too far. The Olympics has been sort of sacrosanct in the, in the idea that mm. everyone is always welcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think that if Formula One is going to Saudi Arabia, there mm-hmm. needs to be a conversation about, you know, yeah. and like Lewis Hamilton pointed out, like people yeah. being able to freely drive around. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like if, yeah. if Eritrea wants to play cricket, then... You know, the the fact that they have homophobic laws in the books shouldn't stop them from playing cricket within the borders of their own country. Like some some people have gone like really strongly worded on mm-hmm. it. And it's like, I don't mm, like they shouldn't they shouldn't host the Olympics and they should definitely not host the gay games. And they should probably not hold, you know, FIFA or the rugby sevens or but, you know, like don't go too yeah. far and say they shouldn't have the right to hold any sporting events. That's weird and counterproductive. But I believe it's the Commonwealth Games that reached out to Tom Daly um, and have asked for a meeting with him essentially to discuss these latest uh, concerns he has mm-hmm. raised about, uh, you know, the LGBT folks being able to serve in sport. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting that we're starting to see people calling it out, you know, yeah. having a soccer game in a country where one of the players could be put in prison for just being, being yeah. gay. 
um, is quite shocking. And uh, a Formula One in a country where there's women in jail for having driven to a grocery store yep. also is kind of, you know, insane. And we did talk about this a lot last year because of what was happening in the uh, the Caribbean. But uh, broadly speaking, most of the, I think all of the Commonwealth countries except for two have full equal human rights. And the two that don't have them are working on it. And it's in the process of, of changing. So I think Commonwealth Games is not the right institution to complain about because they tend to have, uh, let's say, a, a cleaner plate to work with, if that makes sense. But like, just, you know, do it in New Zealand. That's fine. Absolutely. People like New Zealand. They have a cute accent. All right. And in some good news, we have the Botswana Court of Appeal upheld the 2019 ruling that decriminalized uh, gay sex. Mm-hmm. So it uh, struck off several sections of the penal code that had uh, criminalized it. So yeah, this, I remember reading about this. I was very excited. Yeah, there was another attempt in Botswana to uh, to kind of rein, reinvigorate the illegality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this high court ruling is very much put that uh, decision to bed. It was a unanimous decision by the five judges of the Court of Appeal. So yeah, great news out of Botswana. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other news for the week, Sebastian? Uh, no, uh, uh, actually Botswana and um, uh, the conversion therapy bill. I think those are the, the, the biggest stories of the week as, as far as I'm concerned. Plus, you know, we got to talk to John and he has cute glasses. He did have very cute glasses. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, we are going to be playing out with Blue by Denim Blue. This is a a great artist out of Toronto. He's a Chinese-born queer musician. Um, And I think you can almost hear those influences a little bit in the track. I have been Nick Smith. And I have been Sebastian. And thank you for listening. Summer should hunter the willow tree. The tears in your eyes as I applied the loyalty. It turned, it turned. Reluctantly, I succumb to love without a few. I try to care